Welcome to What's New with Mead. This is a podcast hosted by myself, Man Made Mead, um, that talks about mead making, mead drinking, everything that's involved in that. Uh, you might be watching this on video or you might be listening to this. Uh, just the audio, either way, I am glad to uh, have your attention, glad to have you here. Um, today, we are going to be um, starting a new series. This is something that's new for me. Um, I've done one other podcast on the uh, on my channel before, uh, but this is just me talking about my own mead making experience. Um, I got a couple uh, questions from people that they want some answers, and uh, of course, I just want to um, I want to entertain you guys. So, um, first things first, if you uh, if you're not a subscriber on YouTube, uh, make sure you go ahead and, and do that. If you want to follow me, um, you can follow my mead adventures and my mead failures because I have some of those along the way, um, and it's nice to have you guys on board. If you're watching this on video, you are seeing a couple things. Um, uh, it has been acclaimed that I am a musician, and uh, it's true. Um, I, I teach music in my um, real life, I guess, and uh, so currently I'm in my music room. I'm actually a drummer by trade, and um, so a lot of the music you've heard on my YouTube channel is actually music that I've made, like the intro and outro, all that is made by myself. Um, it's pretty fun, and I, I'm glad to have another hobby to do. So mead making is a big hobby of mine, um, and so is, of course, uh, music, because that's kind of my career. Uh, I want to start off by telling you what I'm drinking tonight. Uh, I have kind of pulled out something from the beginning of my mead making career, and that is, uh, this is a clover honey traditional, which is probably, I think, mead number four or five. Um, I could probably pull up on my list here. Maybe. I'm not going to do that right now. Um, it is one of my early, early meads. I don't have as many bottles of my first three meads I made, um, but that's okay. This is my first traditional I ever made with clover honey, and um, you know, if if my um, recollection doesn't fail me, it's it's okay. <laughs> it's not incredible. I did a, a review of it not too long ago. It's okay. It's not bad. Um, I'm still going to drink it, though. So, uh, I'll be sipping on this, and then, of course, uh, as um, as I do more of these shows, I'm going to drink some of my own meads and then try some other stuff, and we're here to have some fun. Um, I had a question that I want to address, which is, some people were asking me, what got me into mead making? And uh, I think that's a great question, because um, everyone has a different story as far as what caused them, what prompted them to brew alcohol um, and brew what you know whatever alcohol they chose. I really wanted to make beer, and um, I started. Let's see, about four or five years ago. Yeah, about that long ago. I made a beer with uh, my brother, and it was a was it a stout? Yeah, it was a stout. And uh, he had made beers before, um, but I had not, and so I was really interested in. Um, seeing the process and doing it. And so I, I joined them on, you know, one, whatever it was Saturday afternoon, we made it, I got ourselves 45 bottles out of it. Um, it was not very good. So, uh, we drank it pretty, we drank some of it quickly and then the rest of it sat around. I think I had some bottles for a while. Um, they're probably four or five years old at this point and I lost them in whatever transitions in my life. So, uh, I started with that, and then about two years later, um, I was looking at starting to brew myself, just by myself, and I, I looked into beer again, and I got scared of, of it because of sheer amount of ingredients, for one, 
and then number two, um, you need like a, a camp stove. At least I thought at the time you needed a camp stove, something to you know heat well, heat your water, your um, your wort well. And uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't have that. I didn't want to buy that, and so I was looking for other alternatives. I started researching other alcohols, and uh, of course I knew about wine, and I knew about sake and um, or sake, whatever however you say it. Um, and, uh, of course I'm a big whiskey guy and, um, I, I don't think I've ever said that, but I like whiskey and I like spirits quite a bit. Um, of course I was not going to get into that world. So I found out about mead and, um, I actually, interestingly enough, uh, found out about mead as I was researching it. I looked it up and the first people I saw were these, this group called, um, Creature Hub and they had some big video they did. Um, I guess they got into a series about making mead. They're not, they weren't mead makers. They were game gaming people and um but i started watching their stuff and i kind of got peaked into doing it from there so i uh did my own research and, and found out what i needed honey water yeast all that stuff to get started and um i threw together my first batch which was a three gallon um batch and i used okay, oh goodness i should have my my list pulled up um actually let me do that all right so um I will go ahead and say make sure that anytime you make mead, you write down all of your steps and your ingredients and all those things. So if you make something incredible, you can go ahead and recreate it in the future. My first mead I made um, was with actually, ooh, I, I'm I'm wrong. My first three meads, uh, I'll go through them real fast. I made an orange blo blossom traditional. So technically, this guy right here, this clover traditional, is not my first um kind of lied sorry about that um I've, i made a bunch now and so i uh, kind of got lost a little bit in that um it was an orange blossom traditional and i'd used florida orange blossom honey these were all separate by the way um and then i made a apple mead which was the spark for all of my apple meads that i've made so far that you might have seen and then a pear mead and uh the that one was with wildflower honey and then i used a big three gallon batch of um of traditional mead and split it into different things. So uh, this this clover mead sadly is not the very first one. I think I still have a bottle of that orange blossom somewhere. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to go look. But uh, it's been a, a pretty wild ride just from the beginning. I am currently at uh, was it 61 different uh, alcohols I've made. Now I think about 54 of them have been meads, and then I've made about five beers and about two wines. Is that math right? 55, I guess. Okay. Anyways. Um, so I got started in the mean making because I saw that it took fewer ingredients and, um, I'm a educator at heart. And so my first inclination to when I was making something was, uh, I, I want to document the process and I want to hopefully, um, learn along the way. And I also want to be able to teach some. So if you have watched me for a long time, you've seen the progress, uh, uh as I've made more and more mead, um, Hopefully, I've gotten better at it. Uh, I definitely, I definitely think I have. Um, that's it's hard to say. But I definitely know more about it for sure. So I, I got started with that, and then it really just turned into a giant rabbit hole. From there, I started making more and more and more. And at the time, I was living in a tiny town in Texas, um, and I was teaching, and I had nothing else to do because it's a tiny town. And um, truly, I just wanted I just wanted to find a hobby that I liked and I continued doing music stuff because that's fun but I also picked up this the mean making and then videos also uh, started to become part of it 
so that's kind of what got me started into doing it and then again just kind of fell farther and farther into it um mead making has been way more of a rabbit hole than i thought i knew that it was going to take a lot and um frankly my my fears of of in getting enough ingredients for um beer were pretty invalid for how much more is behind the scenes than just ingredients ingredients is are the most important thing of course you want to give you want to provide good ingredients for what we're doing but you also you really want to um you really want to know the process and the science behind it and that's where i've gotten a little confused at times and i've also been able to figure out quite a bit because i have done my re research so i will never claim by any means to know everything about mead making so please uh hear me out when i say that i, I i'm still learning and i think we always learn through the mead making process uh it's, it's a lot of fun and i think if you if you think you know it all then you probably don't and you probably um are, you know not going about it the right way we should always be looking to learn more so my goal with making the mead is you know to enjoy it and drink it and all that stuff but also to teach you guys um what i know and hopefully make some mistakes or hopefully make mistakes for you so you don't have to make them on your own and do some experience experiments all that um but it's been pretty fun i've really really enjoyed it so far and uh yeah absolutely i i, I wouldn't trade uh the past almost two and a half years for anything all right, now I'm going to read some more of these questions that I've got. These are from my Facebook, by the way. This is um, facebook.com slash manmademeadery. Um, I asked my group on there. I said, hey, guys, I'm making a, a, a podcast, and um, I, I need some questions. And so uh, if you want to ask me some questions for this for the next episode, go over and um, leave your questions there, and I will gladly answer them. That first question was from uh, Christian Schneller. And uh, now I'm going to go to my next one. Uh, Barry Skelhorn says, if you, had a, if you had a lottery win, would you go commercial? What would your signature batch be? And would you keep experimenting? If I won the lottery, um, I'm a man of many hobbies, so I would definitely split it amongst all my hobbies, um, that being music, of course, and then, um, and then mean making. I would love, I, I think it'd be so fun to go commercial. I'm very scared to go commercial with mead making because you, um, as a, uh, well, one, there's lots of things you have to do to be able to be commercial, and so it becomes more about the logistics and figuring out the place and how you get all the licensures and all those things, all the backdoor stuff that we don't see often is kind of a pain. Um, I like being a home brewer because I can be very experimental. And, um, you know, I can make a mead that just totally fails, and that's okay, um, because at the end of the day, it's it's only a gallon. If you make it as a commercial brewer, um, you couldn't really experiment all that much. You go small batch, and then you hope that if you make it in a big batch, it's the exact same thing, which that's where recipes and, you know, consistency comes into play. Um, however, uh, I, I don't know. I, I would love to do start one. I have some consistent, um, some nice recipes that I figured out. I love my apple cinnamon mead. I think that one um, has consistently gone over well with people who've tried it. Um, that's probably one of my favorite ones. I've made a pretty good blueberry one as well. Excuse me. Um, Beauchets, again, I feel like I've said favorite already, favorite already but uh, Beauchets are fantastic. If you've never made a Beauchet, um, one, go, go check it out. Go look it up on YouTube. I've got some videos. There are other people who've got videos on it. Uh, that 
caramelized honey flavor is just incredible. It gets, of course, every mead gets better with age, but the Beauchet gets so much better with age. It becomes so smooth, and um, it kind of mixes best of the best of both worlds for me because it's got a little spirit, kind of whiskey taste sometimes, and so I really enjoy that. Um, I'd make some Beauchets. I have a raspberry Beauchet that I really like. I uh, recently made an apple pie Beauchet, kind of a more uh, boutique kind of mead, but uh, pretty good. Um, I'm trying to th think of some of my other ones. My peppermint mead, um, which is, um, I made it a couple different ways now, but I, I normally use candy canes or actual like peppermints. Uh, the first time I made it, I used 216 candy canes and uh, dumped them into a big boiling pot of water and then added a ton of honey on top and made that. It was Pretty darn good. So I would make that that as well. That'd be a more seasonal one for sure. Uh, to answer your question, absolutely, I would love to do it. Uh, am I afraid of doing it for the issues that might, you know, come into hand? Would I lose my ability to be experimental? Yeah. Would I be able to do it at home? Still, of course. Yeah, I could. I could be an experimental mead maker. But um, my signature batch would probably be that apple cinnamon. So. I hope I answered your question um, about that. So uh, let me get to another one here in a second, but um, let me tell you about um, the the process of mean making and um, a couple things that I've learned. I want to especially highlight some uh, some important things that I've noted. So the first thing that I first lesson I learned with mean making was. Uh, unfortunately patience patience is necessary because when you're trying to make mead generally you're also trying to um, you're making something that's going to take a while to ferment for one that's the issue then uh, it has to clarify and most people are are not for a cloudy mead like I would say a good 80% of the population is not for a cloudy mead which is okay we don't have to all like cloudy meads but that does mean that mean <laughs> that uh you have to really give it some time unless you use clearing agents. So uh, patience was probably lesson number one. Then lesson number two uh, also fell in pretty quickly, which was your fermentation, like temperatures in your yeast and the correlation that that, you know, how that works. If you don't want to stress your yeast out. And I learned, I think I learned with a couple of these, like just tasting this clover traditional. It tastes very nice. Um, it's got a little bit of a, I hate to say it like chemically taste and not because I used um, any chemicals in it. I didn't use any potassium metabisulfite or potassium sorbate. Rather, I um, I just, I think I stressed the yeast out a little bit in my fermentation temperatures at the time. So I would definitely, um, I definitely try to think about, you know, what kind of yeast you're using and how well they work. And this is a topic I know, um, I know pretty well about the Lalvin products. I know some Red Star. I know some White Labs. Um, when you get to the other ones, I don't know too much about those, and I'd love to dive more into those in the future. But um, if you're a mead maker, I think you've probably learned those lessons. If you're listening to this and you're going, I'm not a mead maker, okay, well, there you go. There's some, some lessons for you. So uh, that sort of dives into a question. Let me find it. All right, that dives into our next question from Ryan. Um, and I'm going to butcher your name, Ryan. I'm sorry. So I'm not going to try it. Uh, I find myself throwing away a lot of money, throwing a lot of money around, seeing what different honeys taste like 
once fermented. What uh, what flavors come from what honeys? So uh, there are a, a million different kinds of honeys in the world, and some are cheap, some are expensive. Uh, clover honey and wildflower honey are generally the cheaper ones, and Baker's, um, whatever it is, Baker's Special, I think, because they are kind of wild or massly produced. So um, it's not hard to find clover honey as hard. Uh, it's where you get into the crazy ones like Tupelo, um, what are some of the different ones? Orange Blossom, even Alpha Alpha, Mesquite. Uh, there's a whole list. Um, Meadow Foam Honey. All of those different ones are a little harder to get, so they get more expensive. And they, every honey has its own flavor. I would say the general consensus of honey is that it, of course, has its sweet flavor. It also has a, um, I characterize it as a warm taste to it. So uh, I know that's not real scientific, sorry. But uh, I'm sure there's a composite list somewhere of each different character of honey. Um, I'll just tell you about what I've noticed with some of them. So like your clover honeys um, have a pretty general taste, same taste across the board. And um, I pick up, of course, I, I'm going to say floral notes because of course, you know, honey is flower all that the science of honey won't go into that but um it's a, f a floral taste um and i i noticed this last time i used clover honey it had a little bit of a smokiness to it for some reason it was kind of odd um that same thing goes for the alpha alpha blossom honey that i currently have i've been using it had a smoky flavor to it it was kind of weird um i don't know if it was just the the little bit of honey I had at the time with the clover honey or the alfalfa but it, it was weird that we got those flavors you of course run into the same things with um, like orange blossom you get that um, get notes of, of fruit or you get the notes of the orange because it's orange blossom um, you get a floral taste there's uh, it's hard to answer this completely because some people pick up different things from different kinds of honey so to answer your question um, I can tell you some specifics of some of them, more generals, uh, but I, that, there's no absolute that I can tell you. Just try different honeys. Don't You don't have to buy like 4 million pounds of it. Buy a little one pound sample. Buy a small amount of, of all these honeys and try it on your own just without even any mead and you'll pick up those flavors. And then you can start to figure out how to pair them well with other things. All right, I got another question and uh, I am, I don't know how to say your name. But it is Coelio. <laughs> you probably already made butchered it. Braytruti. Man, I hope that I have uh, not totally ruined that for you. Um, he says, I find it interesting that some mead makers are systematically racking mead as soon as sediment comes into play uh, to avoid yeast flavors, and other uh, and other people don't have this issue and can let mead on sediment for years without worrying. Um, so there are a lot of issues that can happen, uh, nutriments, oxidation, fusels, gunky flavors. He's basically asking, whenever you are mead making and you're going through the primary um, and secondary and all that stuff, when it first ferments, generally, if you're just using honey, water, and yeast, you do have the dead yeast that stay on the bottom, or if you're using other flavors like apples or fruits or you know spices whatever those things set at the bottom i think it depends on what you're actually using because at the end of the day um some of those things that settle at the bottom are still giving those flavors off pretty well i have generally found um that yeast don't give 
don't hurt the, the flavor of the mead too much. So when you're making it, if you're just making a traditional honey water yeast, it's less important to um, rack it off immediately. You could leave it for some time and it would be fine. If you're doing something, uh, I'm going to use like a weird example, like peppercorns. Um, for some reason, like let's say you're making a mead with peppercorns, which is a thing. People do that. If you leave those peppercorns at the bottom um, and you're, that's your sediment, you're going to still impart that peppercorn flavor for as long as they're in there. And so that stuff you have to watch out for that you don't uh, continue to add that flavor if you don't want that flavor to be imparted continually. Um, otherwise, like apples and, and any fruits, um, spices, like I said, are like the peppercorn situation. Uh, apples, like let's say fruits in general, just to make it gen general, uh, are less I, I don't leave them down as sediment for a long time because I do think that at some point they start to add weird flavors uh, some and, oh goodness sorry some people will agree with that some people will not because at, at the end of the day it's it's all in how you like your meads how do you like your mead flavors um, there is some science behind this when we t start talking about the the bad things that we have in mead making like skunky flavor like you mentioned um, and also fusels uh, if you want to know anything about fusels, I'll give you just a, a general idea and, and tell you that fusels are any bad flavors you get um, from a mead. Generally, they come in the form of like uh, a weird alcoholy taste. And of course, you get alcohol taste because it's an alcohol we're drinking. But you get some weird stuff like rubbing alcohol, smell or taste. Um, there's a whole list of them if you are interested in that. Um, you can look them up, fusels. But that is just caused by your yeast being stressed out and so if you're uh, getting weird flavors in your mead you might be stressing your yeast out in some form or fashion whether it be by um, not enough nutrients uh, a poor fermentation area too hot too cold um, anything that is is causing the yeast to not ferment effectively can produce fusels the good news is most of them do go away over time so if you do have a fusel situation you're not doomed. Don't don't think that the the world is over. Um, it just might take a while for that flavor to go away. So, to answer your question, I I'm a big fan of of racking it decently quickly off of dead yeast, especially. Uh, so maybe about uh, two weeks, three weeks after it's finished fermenting, completely fermenting. Let's say, uh, just to make sure there's no issues. Also, if you do rack it off you are starting to clarify a little more because issues I've had issues with leaving the yeast down at the bottom the yeast cake and then I go to move it for some reason and it shakes it all up and then all my clarity that I had because everything dropped to the bottom it's gone so if you rack it over you automatically uh, get rid of that chance so I, I go ahead and rack about two or three weeks after are there bad side effects of not I'm sure if you have some weird flavors, weird yeast issues, uh, like if your yeast were super stressed out and kept putting out a bad fusel, they might still do that. Um, but I don't know. I, I would not be too worried about it. So uh, there's there's that. Uh, I want to uh, that that first section is what I'm gonna call like you know questions with Facebook questions whatever. I don't have a good answer thing for it. Um, I want to also talk about. I'm at three sections to this podcast. Sorry, gathering my thoughts. First section, of course, is going to be uh, your questions. I want you to ask me questions on Facebook about mead making. And it could be personal questions like, hey, how'd the blah, blah, blah mead go? I'll tell you about it. Absolutely. Or generic, general questions. Um, 
everything you ask me gives me opportunity to hopefully uh, investigate a little more into my own mead making and maybe get you an answer and in turn I can get an answer for myself if I don't know the answer to the question I will never just BS it I'm gonna be honest with you guys I don't know everything and I hope that you don't expect me to know everything because uh, uh, this is a eternally learning um, hobby um, the next little section, as I'm like I'm gonna call it, is uh, what's happening in my mead room, mead house. Give you some updates. So uh, I will tell you that I have some exciting new things happening, and I don't know when this is going out. This might go out before some of those other videos, but I have another peppermint mead going on. Except this time, it's an actual peppermint mead. My previous one, like I said earlier, was 216 candy canes, full-size candy canes that I had. Um, unwrapped and then melted down which was a huge pain I got so tired of unwrapping candy canes I got really good at it for sure but I got real tired of it so um, I switched to peppermints because they're easy to unwrap you just kind of pull them apart it took about half the time the thing I learned real quickly with the peppermints is that they have about half the sugar content of all the candy canes I used so I used 600 actual small peppermints it only totaled about half of my sugar content from compared to my 216 candy canes. So in hindsight, I should have used 1,200 peppermints if I was using my exact recipe from before. Um, I don't really know what's going to happen with it. Uh, it's still fermenting. We'll find out. You might have seen a video. Who knows? Um, I also had some other things going on. I haven't documented all of my um, beers, but I... Let's see. I have made a... Uh, blackberry braggot. If you uh, have any idea what a, any idea what a blackberry or a braggot is, excuse me, it is a mead and a beer mixture. So uh, that's a pretty fun one to make. I made that a while back. There's a video on that. Uh, I also did an oatmeal raisin cookie stout. That one turned out really good. I like that quite a bit. Uh, the coffee cinnamon roll porter. There's a YouTube video about that, and I will put a disclaimer and say that I should have waited after putting the uh, cinnamon roll flavor in because it definitely caused some issues with the bottling process where they were very, very carbonated. And I caught it early, and I was able to remedy. But if you go and make that recipe, know that you have to wait a while and let the uh, yeast cap out or you let the yeast ferment before you do that other beers i didn't document this one a uh cookies and cream milk stout uh that one went by super well i had lots of people uh who tried it said that it was very very good um if you want to know the recipe for that one uh hit me up let me know and then i actually just started another beer i'm not documenting this beer um this is just a, a harvest wheat beer it's gonna be straight up pretty normal in the mead world, I've been making a big, I made a big traditional, split it into a couple different things. Uh, I got some Amoretti flavors, so I've been playing with those quite a bit, and um, I took a my big traditional and I split it into a couple different things. I took um, about a gallon of it, I have four different gallons of experimental flavors. Gallon number one was an elderberry mead, um, and it was elderberry flavor. I had never had elderberries, so this was interesting to try them try it the flavor really good i'm gonna make a bigger batch of that for sure because uh I, I don't know it just maybe it was the alpha, alpha blossom honey that i used that gave it a really nice nice um floral taste but also smoky taste it was just a, a good tasting mead um i'm definitely gonna make more of that i also used a, a little bit of orange cream flavor 
from Amoretti, and that turned out really good. Uh, and it's still setting. These are all still setting, by the way. Uh, I have a, a blueberry mead. I love blueberry. And I did not use real blueberries. I used Amoretti blueberry flavoring. Got the same result. That one actually started re-fermenting because I don't know why. I think that it, it's all from the same batch. So it's very interesting to me that that one started re-fermenting and the others didn't because they all had sugar content. So I don't know. That's inter interesting. Last one I was most excited for is a rose mead. I took the alpha alpha uh, traditional mead that I had and put rose flavoring into it from Amoretti. Fantastic. You should try it. Um, it's a little expensive uh, and you, you have to use it a little sparingly. However, the rose flavor was fantastic and I'm, I'm going to make more of that. I'm going to have to buy some more rose flavor, but it's super, super good. Um, of course, there's some videos out for that one, for those things. And then I've uh, recently did a test where I tried um, uh, rehydrating yeast and then sprinkling yeast. And I compared the two to see which, uh, which is more effective if you are actually rehydrating yeast or if you are, um, if you're just sprinkling it. And I had some interesting results. I'm going to have to take a drink because I'm running out. Um, had some interesting results. So I noticed right off the bat that the rehydrated yeast took off faster. It took off about four or five hours earlier than the sprinkled yeast. And um, it has actually been fermenting better in a lot of ways. It has been fermenting more effectively and it's actually passed in the gravity realm. They both started the same thing. The uh, sprinkled, or sorry, the rehydrated yeast uh, are like 1.0 this it all started at 1.0 or 1.1 yeah 1.100 um, and they're both at let's see I, I gotta think back to what I, I just took it today uh, oh no the um, rehydrated is now at 1.02 the sprinkled is at 1.04 so rehydration actually helped the mead ferment faster interesting results we'll see um, if there's any flavor difference soon. I have not finished that yet. And so uh, I've enjoyed that. My last two things, and I'll go ahead and spoil it. If the videos don't come out, it's just fine. Uh, I'm trying a wild yeast fermentation. I've never done this before. Basically a wild yeast fermentation is where you take and uh, you let the wild yeast of whatever's on your fruit or whatever else you're adding take over instead of like your Lauvin products or your Red Star or anything like that, your, um, your lab yeast. And I'm only in day one since I've made this. So far, there's no fermentation. There's no wild yeast fermentation. I don't know. Kind of toss up for that. Um, and then I also made another big uh, traditional and uh, that's going to be an, an apple mead soon. So that's what's new with mead, with my mead house. Um, I really enjoy getting to try new things, and I've got a, you know, it's bubbling like crazy in the other room, and uh, it's kind of nice in some ways, uh, but it does mean that I'm going to have uh, a lot of work to do. I have definitely learned that to combat my boredom and patience, lack of patience, I should say, uh, I've been making more mead, and you kind of forget about the other things behind, which is good in some ways because then you can let them age. Um, otherwise, you might get a little antsy. I'm very fortunate to have a mead room. Not everybody has that, and I, I don't want to say that, you know, I don't appreciate that because I really do appreciate 
kind of what that's like. Now, my last segment, um, and again, these are going to be repeating segments, so always look forward to them, is going to be uh, what is talking about the, the recent Mead failures. So um, I'm going to break down a couple of them, and I, this is where I need your help because I'll tell you about my Mead failures and um, some things that hopefully we can learn from together. Uh, but I need your help too. If you have a recent mead failure that you want to describe, go ahead and tell me and I'll gladly share it if you're willing to share it. Of course, um, I think it's fun for us to all learn from each other and sometimes it's fun to laugh because we get ourselves in silly situations. So uh, my most recent mead failure um, was when I was bottling something and uh, I, I've got other mead failures. I've got plenty. I'll have plenty of stories, but this is just the one that comes to mind. I was bottling something and I uh, I set my bottling wand in the bottle, and it wasn't actually pushed down, so there was no no mead coming out of it, and because I had to walk away to do something. Well, I always use a, a towel before I I bottle, and I guess that the whatever little pin on the inside kept pushing in, and so the bottle kept filling without my knowledge. I came back and I had so much beer again this is not a documented uh, I didn't document this beer and so there's no video of it but um, I had so much beer everywhere because it soaked through my big towel that I had and then it just got all over the floor and I, I was like dumbfounded because I, I had never had the issue of this little pen being pushed in but I guess for some reason the way it was situated it kept going and I I spent probably a good 20 minutes cleaning up my floor, my nice wood floor, um, of all this beer. And I lost a ton of beer, too, which is a real big bummer. So I would say that uh, if there's a lesson to learn from that situation, if you're bottling things, go ahead and take that bottling wand out when you're not bottling anything to make sure you don't deal with this situation because that was kind of stupid. And um, I've learned my lesson, so hopefully uh, you know that as well. Feel free to share your mead failures with us uh, because I, I think it's important that we all learn from one another and it's it's kind of fun to talk about those things. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up here. Uh, next I don't know if this is going to be a bi-monthly I'm going to shoot for twice a month for this podcast um, if I can get it going. I would love to do it once a week. However scheduling is kind of hard. I am a, I'm a school teacher and uh, this is an easy time for me because this is the holiday season, and guess what? I'm not in school, so that's super nice. Um, however, when it gets to school time, uh, it's a little less easy to make these things, but I will do my best, and I um, hope you guys you know, enjoy that. So thank you for watching. Um, if you want to support uh, me and this podcast and all those things, uh, I don't know what it's playing on. It might be through Apple Podcasts. It might be through other things. Make sure you leave a review if you can. Leave a like, of course. And then um, follow me on, on YouTube because that's where I post most of my things. Um, and that's where you know I, I get the most support, which is just helpful. You can also get on Facebook and check out the couple different groups. Uh, if you want to you know, leave your questions or leave your mead failures, make sure you get on Facebook because that's where I'll see them. Um, that's facebook.com slash manmade meadery. And then there's also a Facebook group, um, different from the other group that we, it's like a community group where we talk about mead making a lot. That's called um, manmade mead makers. So those are both great groups to be a part of. I enjoy being uh, involved in them and we learn a lot in both ways, both sides. So it's, it's pretty fun. 
and uh, of course there's a Patreon if you want to be a part of that. Um, I have some exclusive things for patrons, and um, I'm I'm got even more things planned for them. So if you want to support the channel in that way, go for it. Go over, over to there. So I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to this. Uh, I might have some guests on in the future. We'll find out. Um, I hope you will tune in for this next time. But this has been, uh, you know, what's new with Mead, episode one. Uh, episode two will probably be out. Probably be out in uh, two weeks. And uh, I'll have some more meads to talk about, more meads to drink, and more questions to answer. So, have a wonderful day, and uh, cheers. <laughs>